I've had people say to me that um, one of the pieces of feedback was some of my writing is almost lyrical, that it it takes on a, a rhythm in a way that I don't try to do. And, and I've had people ask me, how do I do that? And that's where the word gift came in. I think I used it earlier. It really, I can't take credit for it, Michael. It just kind of has always been that way. Welcome to Queer Sacramento, a podcast about the lives of LGBTQ plus people, businesses, and events in and around the capital city of California, Sacramento. I'm your host, Michael Q. I am a certified and licensed massage therapist, professional stage actor, and owner of Q's Massage Studio, body positive massage therapy, right here in the Lavender Heights district of Midtown. All right. So on today's podcast, I'm here with Michael P. Coleman. So what are your what are your official pronouns? Uh, he, him, him. Okay, great. He is a uh, freelance writer and editor here in the Sacramento area. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Michael. This is great. So first of all, can you um, tell us, are you originally from Sacramento? And if you're not, where are you originally from? I am not. I'm originally uh, from uh, Detroit. I was born in Detroit and grew up uh, just outside of Detroit, one of the suburbs there, um, and have lived in uh, Sacramento for just, it's been 10 years this spring, in fact. Now, speaking of you, though, in Columbus, I, I've got to say, I'm a U of M Michigan grad, so this Columbus thing, I don't know that this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to discontinue this podcast right now. Because... <laughs> I, 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 was, I wasn't going to go there, but I figured that when <laughs> like you said you're from Michigan, I was like, hmm, is he from, uh, oh, is he from Eastern Michigan? Is he Eastern Michigan? Is he a Western Michigan guy? Is he a U of M guy? Is he a Michigan I'm State a... guy? All right. No, Michigan. I, in fact, I worked for 17 years. I worked for the University of Michigan in addition to having my, uh, my undergrad degree from. So I'm I'm true and true. Go blue. I love and this it. is a great sign that here we here you and I are having this great conversation. See, it, and, it's uh, the it's the world coming <laughs> together. Look, if you of M and Ohio State can come together, look, any, anything's possible. Amen. I agree. Yeah. Agree. 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 What's the first thing is well, why, why writing? What out of all the professions in the world, why, why did you choose that? I have wanted to be a writer. I realized uh, for my entire life. I was that kid in school who, you know, I had to study. I got good grades across the board, but I I had to really, really work hard for the math and science stuff. I had to study a lot, as opposed to, you know, English and the arts and all of that. I I could write a ten page you know, term paper the night before and get an A plus on it. So pretty early, I, I had that, uh, I think, gift. And I, I just didn't realize it right away. But then as a teenager, um, I, I kind of grew up reading Ebony and Jet magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, first in our old barbershop, and then my mom subscribed to them. And uh, no, no disrespect at all to the pioneers who put that together. But as a teenager, Michael, I, I, I remember thinking, I could have written this better than that. This is a good story, but I think I could have done better. Or that question wasn't the best question, right? Mm -hmm. So I went on uh, after a a brief uh, foray in college in the sciences. I got a scholarship. My grades were good. and My brother had been a science person. So, you know, I got kind of fed into that pipeline and I got a college scholarship in the sciences, but I just was not happy. And uh, each term my elective was a, uh, more of a writing class, creative writing, and I always just love those. And so midway, I changed my major and actually studied uh, journalism. 
But um, after transferring, um, started at UW-Madison, Wisconsin, I transferred to Michigan um, and literally stumbled into a part-time job in a radio station. And then I just got uh, it, I just got bit. So I had years and years of a radio and TV career and had just kind of put the writing piece aside. And it was only after I talked about moving to Sacramento, I got out here and I said, okay, no one knows me as Mr. Radio person. No one knows me as Mr. TV person. I can completely recreate myself. And if I ever get hit by that bus, you know, I never wrote for Johnson Publications. I don't have that Pulitzer Prize I dreamed about. I don't have the New York Times bestselling novel. And I need to give that some attention and see if I really have what it takes to do it. So I just stepped out and said, let me see if I can pay the bills. And so far, so good. For people yeah. that don't really know, like, what does that mean? That means I market, I write everything from human interest features to, to grant proposals, to PR pieces, to bios, you name it. Um, white papers for corporations. Um, I, I do uh, ghostwriting of creative pieces. Um, anything that involves putting words to what we used to call a page, I can and have done very successfully. So um, I juggle um, about a half dozen clients at any given time. I, I would easily uh, take more of that uh, work. So if anybody's interested, michaelpcoleman.com is that website that you can go to. Um, I kind of market myself to anyone that needs some writing done. So I've written um, a couple years ago, I got a request from a woman who, you know, she was really committed to, to going to law school and she wanted to really make sure she was as competitive as she could be. And she wanted me to polish up um, her, her personal statement for her uh, application for her law degree. That was a first for me. And she had just read one of my stories and thought, I like your voice. I like the flow of what you say. And she had all of the meat in it, but it just didn't, it didn't flow. It didn't read very well. So I just polished it for her. Um, I've written for corporations like Nielsen, the, the market research firm, where they presented to me some very dense data sets and about uh, consumer patterns, consumer behavior. And they wanted me to write um, instruction manuals that they, in their own words, they said, we want to be able to hand this to an 18-year-old 7-Eleven manager and teach him or her how to lay out their product so that, so that people will buy it. And so taking this very dense data about what people look for, when and why and how, and translating it into what I call English. Um, uh, I do, uh, I write for entertainment sites and magazines, um, features with um, some people of prominence and other people that you've never heard of before, but the people that, that have a really good story um, that I think needs to be told. And so it's a, it's a, it, it, not a single week since I've been doing it has looked like the week before. And, and that's the, the blessing and the curse. Right. You know, I, I never know really what the day is. Even today, that's why I was running a few minutes late with you because you and I had a time set and we we're ready to go. And even as of, you know, last night, I, I knew I was ready to go. And then uh, George Floyd's uh, murder in, in Minneapolis came up and and i was asked to write a opinion column that could be published today so that's what kind of helped me up a little bit when you text me a, a few minutes before i was right in the middle of a thought and i knew if i let it go i'd forget what i was thinking so it's it's exciting in that way that i never really know what i'm going to be working on uh i told a friend of mine last week though it's a month to month you know am i going to make the mortgage and my car note and make enough money to do everything i need to do right so, 
you know, sometimes I wish I had a cushy job with a with a pension and a salary, but you know, some months are great and some months I go, Wow. <laughs> you know, it's a little mean. <laughs> right. But but yeah, but but luckily each year, as I said, I started at uh twenty ten or twenty eleven, I'd have to go back and look. Every year's been better, so you know, I'm moving in the right direction. Do you do you have yeah. one side or one or one particular kind of type of writing that you prefer? Um, that's a great question too. I don't I I think I I love the um I'm a big entertainment person anyway. So I you know, books, movies, TV, music, I love all of the arts. And so anything related to that, I'd have to say, is probably some of my favorite stuff. I've interviewed, um, you know, authors of books and, and subjects and artists who've put albums and, and you know, before, before and after performances, reviewed artists and stuff. So I think that's, that's probably my favorite only because I, it takes little to no research on my part. If you said to me, if, if, you know, one of, if I named the artist, one of my dream interviews and you said, Mike, you, you're going to get to talk to her in two hours. I could do it because I've been listening or watching that person for years and years. You know, I, I spoke about Halle Berry in that movie. I know every movie she's ever made. So I could just settle right into that and ask her all of the questions that I've been dying to ask her forever. And I know, fans of hers would be dying to hear from her. But but I have to say, it's also incredibly rewarding. I mentioned the Nielsen research stuff. When that first contract came to me, I accepted it. Um, I love accepting jobs that are a bit outside of your comfort zone and you don't really know if you can do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been I there. have. <laughs> I love that feeling of not knowing. You think you can do it. You're not sure. So that was, Nielsen was one of those. And they gave me a very tight timeline. And I sat down. I'll never forget. I was sitting outside here on my on the deck at my house and I, I was about to call him and say, I'm in over my head. I can't figure this date out. I'm not a statistician. I can't make sense of these graphs. I'm confused. I have a headache. And then something clicked and I said, wait, Mike, you are very, very good at finding the story in what someone presents to you. Often I'll be talking to an artist and they'll just as an aside say something. It happened to me yesterday. Somebody in an interview made a little aside and I said, wait a minute, did you just say X, Y, Z? And they said, yeah. And then the idea just drops in my head and I I know I'm good at that. So I said, let me look at this this way. There is a story in these graphs. I just have to find the story. What is the story in this data? And once I made that shift, it all just came together. I put the report together, went over it and I was when they called me and said okay not only is this and we had to do a couple different drafts my my first draft wasn't the final one but when they called me and said we have so few edits on this first draft we have never seen a first draft be this good frankly with a new writer they contract with writers all the time and they say with new writers they had to really work to make it work they asked me if I would take a draft that they had given another writer and then Oh wow. oh wow polish up somebody else's work and that that was one of the most fulfilling projects i've worked on because because i went into it not knowing if i could do it and through the process i learned that i'm, I'm capable of sometimes doing something i don't know yeah i that is that's so fascinating when you talk about like kind of finding that the spark finding the story when you're either listening to someone or when you're reading something i mean that is definitely a skill in and of itself 
you know. Um, well, I mean, you. you, you know, as a writer, I'm sure that you, um, although you mentioned the entertainment component, you like you know, watching movies and TV. I mean, it, mm-hmm. are there, I'm sure when you're reading things, do you find yourself always kind of on the clock? Like when you're reading things, always trying to, although you, you know, you're not getting paid reading the New York Timers or anything, but when you're reading things, do you find yourself always dissecting it and always thinking about how it can be done a different way? Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell, yeah. I find it very hard. Even um, I, I, I try, it, it's, it's everything I could do. I try not to work at all on Sundays. But it's very, very hard. I was watching something. I was watching a new series on Netflix um, a week or so ago. And instantly, you know, I paused, I paused Netflix and I grabbed my iPad and I start typing a few notes. And, and Rob, my husband, he said, what are you doing? I said, I got to interview that guy. I got to talk to the director. I got to see who. And I am I, constantly sort of, why, I wonder why they shot this this way. Why did they take the story in this direction? So that's really hard to just check out all together and and um and not work even when i think i've done it i realize i haven't i i remember in a few years ago i went and saw a movie just strictly for the entertainment value not in any way thinking i was going to want to write or do anything with it the um it was the reboot of mary poppins oh right mary poppins yeah it came out i dude michael i had never even seen the original mary poppins before so I just thought, I'm going to go see this movie. It was the holidays. I'm going to, I don't have to work. It's a little musical. It's going to be fine. I walked away fascinated by Emily. Mm-hmm. I had to talk to the director. I wanted to know all about the songs and the whole bit. So it, it's hard to break out of that. I, when I'm reading a book, I um, often I'll start a book to, to kind of read it for um, entertainment value. And then I, I, before I know it, I'm on the phone with the author and I'm pitching the story to an editor of mine to see if somebody will pay me to do a feature. So. Thinking about entertainment and movies and um, script writing, is that something that you could see yourself kind of getting into? Um, yes, only because if you'd asked me that just a few years ago, I, people have asked me before, um, the, one, the one form of writing I've not done yet is fiction. And when people ask me about it, I, I used to kind of flippantly say, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I'm sincere about it. But I used to make a joke and say, you know, if I can't be Toni Morrison, if I can't be Stephen King, if I can't be Mark Twain, then I'm not going to do it. And those are my top three fiction writers. So, um, but I've, I've heard from enough people who have said to me, you know, you were writing this story about, you were doing this profile, or you were telling this story, but, but, I've had people say to me that um, one of the pieces of feedback was some of my writing is almost lyrical, that it it takes on a, a rhythm in a way that I don't try to do. And, I, and I've had people ask me, how do I do that? And that's where the word gift came in. I think I used it earlier. It really, I can't take credit for it, Michael. It just kind of has always been that way. I've got a very good friend still um, that I met in seventh grade. I've known, I've known my friend Trent. He's, other than my family, he's my longest term friend. And he reminded me of some of those times in high school. He said, Mike, we used to hate you in school because you would just sit down, you know, spur of the moment and you would just write something and it would be this beautiful, beautifully written piece. And others of us would really struggle. And so I don't know where that came from, but I'm thankful that I've got it. I love that. There are so many times when I, I'm, I'm watching a TV show or, or watching a movie and I'm like, man, this, this writing, 
is shit, and this is horrible. This is horrible, you know. And yeah. now I'm not yeah. really a writer at all. It's not something I, I, but I feel like I know it when I see it. You know, it's like with TV shows. Yeah. There are TV shows that I am obsessed with. Like I'm obsessed with like the Golden Girls. You know, uh, one because yeah. one because I'm <laughs> you know gay and they're funny and everything like that. But it's like it's just so right. touching, you know. Um, and so right. the. And it's great writing. You mentioned writing. Rob, my husband, loves the Golden Girls. I always liked it, but since I've been with him, I've learned to love it because he loves it so much. The The performances were great, and the writing was brilliant. That's one of the sitcoms that I watch, and I go, oh, my God, the writing is brilliant. I love it. And it's it's almost like yeah. it really – the writing – of of any piece, especially in um, in entertainment, you know, whether it be like it could be like the lyrics yeah. to a song, or you yeah. know the the script to a TV show or a movie, or the yeah. libretto of a musical. You know, there are there. Yeah. It, I feel like it is just like the it's like the foundation of what makes everything else better. Like I know for me, I'm a professional stage actor, so for me, the the pieces, a lot of the um, uh, musicals and plays that I enjoy are the ones that have, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really is based on the writing. If I enjoy the writing, then I'm going to enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, and you even mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm not an actor by any stretch, so I've got all props to people like you who can do that, because I watch a performance, and I know the connection between artists and, and the written script. And when the two come together, when you get a brilliant actor and and then a brilliantly written script. One of the one of my more recent examples is um, the Viola Davis TV, uh, How to Get mm-hmm. Away with Murder. I don't know if you're a fan of that show. Really brilliantly written, and then she's such a riveting actress. And I would sit, man. Usually a story. I'm pretty good at discerning, you know, where a story's gonna go. I have to say, I was a kid. I was the first kid in the theater. I'm dating myself, but in the theater. I sat with my brother in, in watching the Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. And in the middle of that movie, I lean over and I say, Darth Vader is his father. And my brother said, what? I said, Darth Vader is Luke's father. And my brother laughs at me, dude. And then at the end of the movie with the big reveal, we walk out and he said, how do you know that? I said, because I watched, you know, soap operas. Mm-hmm. Dallas. It, it's like that set in space. I knew somebody, you know, this this longing that he had somebody on the set on the cast had to be the connection so i just kind of pieced that together but when when with with how to get away with murder every show three or four times an hour my jaw would drop open i go what what in the hell is going on right <laughs> that those people right they were always two or three steps ahead of me and right up it, the series just wrapped up a few weeks ago i write the series finale same thing Totally blew my mind. I fell off the couch. Never, in, I watched all six or seven seasons. Never in a billion years would I have said that. That's the way so. I, um, I've only I've seen maybe a couple episodes, and so I never chose to. Um, I didn't dive into it because I knew that I needed to be committed. Like if I'm going to watch a TV show, yeah. I need to really be in it. And so I didn't have the the, uh, the energy. I had so many other things going on. But sh- but I've heard so many things you. about Shonda Rhimes and her shows um, that it does something yeah. that really pulls you in. And so. So I love yeah. that. I love hearing a writer talk about other pieces of writing, you know. Um, 
Yeah. Shonda's great. And you mentioned ones that aren't so great. I'm not going to call the names, <laughs> but I bet you and I agree. There is another creator in Hollywood and that person's writing is horrendous. <laughs> and, and I have reached out to that person personally and said, I will help you watch those scripts. Those scripts are horrendous. <laughs> you got to get the writing together. And I've even seen some of that person's, um, some of the cast, some of his actors go on to do other things. And then that's when I realized, oh, it wasn't that their acting was bad. They were doing the best they could with that material because here in this piece, they're <laughs> uh, like, People I thought were horrible actors and then they show up in something else. I'm like, oh, wow, that person is funny and that person can do a dramatic scene and that person is this. So it's got to, it's tied it's that so, right. It's, I, I love this because there's so many of uh, my friends or people that I meet out and about that are always like dogging on certain actors. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you see them in this movie, yeah. they are, they are fucking For sure. awesome. It's just the right, it's, sure. it's, uh, it, it's just another level of, of comprehension and critical thinking to have people really watch a movie or watch a TV show and show and recognize whether is it, does the actor suck or is the writing just really shitty? Yeah. Right, 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 right. And you know what's honest we're talking about, Mike, it's just you and right. me, right? This is just you and me talking, right? It's time to be yeah. dirt. Yeah. Let's just call it. His writing, I have all the respect in the world for him. I know he's created jobs for bad people in Atlanta, and I know he does wonderful philanthropic things, but as a writer, yeah. he needs some help. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and I've seen cast members from his shows. Uh, Tika Sumter is a great example where um, I just always thought she wasn't much as an actress because of her what she was doing. And then I saw a movie where she plays Michelle Obama when they first meet, and she was great in that. And now she's on um, Mixed-ish, the sitcom, and she's funny on that. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't Tika. It was it was Tyler's words. He wasn't giving her enough to work with. <laughs> there it is. Good. So, no. Sorry. Ouch. I'm going to get in trouble. Well, sorry. Please. Oh, please. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. So this is actually a great segue into the, the, the work that you're doing. So let's talk about um, yeah. a couple of the projects that you're working on now. A couple of the projects I am working on now. Well, as I said, it kind of varies uh, with the week. The, the exciting ones, I think, of the month, I, uh, one of, and this one's kind of locally based. You're, you're here in Sac, so you'll love this. There's an agency in town that's celebrating their um, 80th anniversary, I think. They provide... Um, affordable housing opportunities to those people in our community that, that, that traditionally might not be able to afford it. And they're doing this great, great work and have done it for 80 years now, but they don't have a very high profile in town. So they reached out to me, they, they, you know, the marketing person there read one of my entertainment pieces and she said, this is outside of the box, but do you think you could, you know, make housing interesting? And that, that I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she said, you know, people don't get really super psyched about what we do, but they should, because everybody has walked by that homeless person. Everyone has seen in our community and communities all over the country, people who can't afford basic housing. We have these tremendous success stories, but we really don't have the bandwidth to tell the stories. She, she's a great marketing person, but she's, you know, she's wearing five different hats. So she just didn't have time to do the research and the interviews and then write the pieces. So I said, absolutely. So they, they contracted with me this year to do four, uh, do a series of four different stories. I finished two of them um, at the third interview yesterday. And I'm just really excited about that, those pieces. Um, their, their CEO called and said, you know, these really sing her words. She said, they sing. And that, 
since I, I'm not a musician, that made me happy that that she was happy with the way I'm telling these stories. So that's one of the ones that's given me a I lot of fulfillment um, through, the, through the spring and summer. Um, some of the others are, you know, I do, as I said, these entertainment pieces. So I'm, I'm working right now on a series of stories. Um, the, uh, the coronavirus shutdown kind of had a very direct impact on what I do because I had contracts with um, performance venues in town. So uh, Broadway Sacramento, um, let me think, Broadway Sacramento and Music Circus. Uh, uh, I've reviewed stuff at the Blue Note in Napa. I've done stuff for San Francisco Symphony. I've written for um, the Gallo Center down in Modesto. And so when artists come to town, I would either do a preview piece kind of introducing the show or the artist or, or review the actual performance. But with the coronavirus shutdown, all of that work kind of dried up. And I got a little nervous, like, what am I going to do? That's what made it so interesting that the housing one came through, you know, when, when the doors close, the window opens and all that that we hear. It certainly happened for me this year. But with some of the entertainment contracts I still have, they asked me, okay, let's come up with some creative ways to kind of keep this rolling and keep our audience. So I just started thinking about artists that I love and how can I kind of dig, uh, you know, a layer or two beneath the image and tell these stories of the making mm. of the art. So I'm, I envisioned it as the architects behind some of these projects. And I'm in the middle of this series right now on um, the one and only Diana Ross, who I happen mm -hmm. to love and adore. And, and I have everything she's ever done. And I got to meet her a few years ago and just kind of almost lost my mind. But as well known as she is for her music, she's equally as well known as you know for fashion. And she's got these iconic mm -hmm. album covers that were shot by these legendary fashion photographers. So I thought, what about a series, you know, talking to, you know, um, uh, uh, Albert Watson. He's one of the guys that shot her in the 90s. And get, let's get the story behind these sexy, sexy photos. Oh, I love that. So I'm in the middle of that series right now. Um, her, her debut album, you know, it's kind of legendary. She's sitting on the floor as skinny as she can be eating a apple. She looks like she's <laughs> a homeless person. And at the time she was leaving the Supreme, so she was known for all of this glamour. And then, so her first solo album and people knew what that was going to look like. And then she shows up, you know, looking like really, you know, I'll, I'll send you the picture later so you know. But anyway, I finally got to talk to that photographer and say, how did you get the most glamorous black woman in, in, on the planet at that time to strip down like that and be so vulnerable? And he just told me the whole story of how that came to be. And I knew her fans were going to love that. Um, I'm wrapping up a story. 20 years ago, she, she did a reunion tour with the Supremes that, that didn't turn out the way she wanted it to. But I got to talk to the two Supremes and get the inside scoop on why the, why the show, how they put it together and why it was canceled and what the media told people about why it was canceled is not in mm. fact why that show was canceled. So in a couple different ways, she kind of floored me. So I'm, I'm lucky that I get to so far... Um, that that particular editor that I write for, I've been I've been writing for her since 2013, 2014 or so, and only two or three times have I pitched something and she said, you know, that's the dumbest idea mm -hmm. I've ever heard. You, usually, usually she says, "Wow, I never thought about that. Go for it." You know. So, talking more about you, if someone is and, and wrapping up a little bit, so if if someone's interested in oh, wow. using you as a writer, um, what? 
first of all, what are some ways they can kind of contact you via, you know, website, social media and those things? Um, but then also, is there a, are there certain projects that you're looking forward to writing that maybe you haven't done? Like types of writing? Yes, types of writing. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to writing um, a few real long form pieces. I'm, I'm in negotiation right now. Um, there are a couple of artists. I wish I could tell you who they were, but I don't want to sort of spoil things. But there are a couple of artists who haven't yet told their own stories. They haven't yet written. Not only have they not written an autobiography or a memoir, but no one has written a, a comprehensive biography on these people. And, and one in particular is this legendary mm. performer. I mean, for decades. And so um, he, that person... Um, I just kind of stumbled into a relationship with him and I am flattered, you know, every time the phone rings and I pick it up and he says, hi, Mike, I think this is, this is where I'm living in a boy, boy, boy from Detroit. You know what I mean? And you, you just call me, Hey Mike, you know, it's kind of weird, but I'm looking forward to in the next, uh, I'm, I'm really targeting by the end of the year to have a contract or maybe two signed on some long form pieces because I've not given up on that, you know, New York Times. Mm -hmm. I, I got, that's a goal of mine. And, you know, people talk about the bucket list or whatever. I, I, that's a dream of mine and I'm continuing to pursue that and, and I have a couple of irons in the fire about it. Okay. I love that. And then, yeah, the, uh, since we're wrapping yeah. up, can you tell us what are the best ways people can contact you? Yeah, thank you. The, my, my website, michaelpcoleman.com, is the best way. And, and that website gives a little bit about me. There's some writing samples there. And also, most importantly now, and I've got to do some work kind of updating that site this summer, um, but um, that, that's a link to my blog site as well. And so my blog site is updated two or three times a week. I just mentioned uh, uh, the, the, uh, the George Lloyd uh, column will be there uh, shortly. And so that, that way people can see timely pieces that I'm reading and writing and a good mix of those things, too. So some are, um, you know, very current news related. Um, there's a series on there that obviously started just a couple, couple months ago. I called it COVID Conversations, you know, topics related to the coronavirus that I think, you know, conversations that aren't being had. For instance, when the guidelines came out that everybody needed to wear a mask in public and in stores, I, I wrote a piece that said, you know, for a black man, you know, asking me to wear a mask in a bank is a hard sell because I'm I'm black and I'm going to be looked at differently if I mm -hmm. walk into a store with a mask on. And maybe maybe our white folks, that's fun for you. What what prompted that was a white friend of mine put on Facebook. He said, oh, I had so much fun putting on my mask and going in the grocery store. And I said, dude, he said, oh, cops and robbers. And I said, dude, cops and robbers isn't a game we played in my neighborhood. We we didn't think that was fun to play cops and robbers, and I think sadly George Lloyd is 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 an illustration of why. But you know, there's COVID conversations, and then there's also some of those features of, with the um, the higher profile people that I've talked about, where I've really been blessed to sit down and you know, I, I love the interviews where my favorites are where someone said, you know, I got through to a publicist and they said, sure, sure, you know, he'll talk to you, but he, you know, he'll give you ten minutes, and then at ten minutes when I point out the time. The artist says, no, let's keep going. There, there's one particular artist who actually called me back and we talked for an hour and a half after they oh, told I me that. I could have 20 minutes. So, yeah, that told me that I was really making that connection. And we, we had a lot of fun and I still have a relationship with that person. So 
I, he's, he's now one of those people that I call for advice. He was, that, that person was an author himself. And so I decided to kind of tap into his knowledge about how to get some things done. And he's a person that I call and say, is this a crazy idea? And, you know, unlike, unlike some other people, he, he will say to me, yeah, Mike, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, don't bother. We do. do. (laughs) Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I mean, I think that, I mean, you're a wealth of information. I mean, we've, we've already spoken for so long and clearly you're a person I could talk to for hours just about a number of different subjects because um, you just have your wealth of information. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for saying it, man. And thank you. I feel the same way. I feel like we're friends already. And um, I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, I'm used to being on your side of the mic. So this has been, each time you ask me a question, I go, this is weird. I have to answer a question. I'm used to asking questions. (laughs) All right.